Welcome to Stop Wanting Him Back and Find Someone Better, where I talk about my personal and my group coaching clients' experiences of healing our hearts, authentically falling in love with ourselves, and yes, finding someone better. I'm Claire the Heartbreak Coach. Let's take your love life and entire life to the next level. Hello, my loves. Welcome to episode 204, Drinking on Your Search for the One. The One. Drinking on Your Search for the One. Today is the third of our three-part series on alcohol. Go back to episode 202, Your Relationship with Alcohol, where my bestie and incredible health expert, Jamie McEwen. She's doing jazz hands to me on the computer. We cover, hi, say hi. Hi. (laughs) You said musical theater, so I just brought out my jazz hands. I love it. I love that you just get on board with me. (laughs) You know, Jamie, in the uh, Your Relationship with Alcohol episode, which we'll link up in the show notes, referred to herself as the Dr. Phil to... Mm -hmm my Oprah. And I, I just think that that is so fitting. I told Larry, he thought that was hilarious. (laughs) And here we are. I will keep this part brief because if you're interested and you're just tuning into this three-part series now, I highly recommend, let's say you're not heartbroken, which was what the second episode was about alcohol. When your heartbreak broken, our suggestions of how to navigate your relationship with alcohol. If you tend to lean on alcohol, No, it's not black and white and preachy, but it is informative and really, really interesting. I was inspired to do this three-part series because I continue to have a complicated uh, relationship with alcohol. And by the way, I've heard from some of you reaching out, supporting me, cheering me on, or saying me too, and loving these episodes. And so I love hearing that you're getting a lot out of it. And some of you are giving me suggestions. Someone uh, slid into my DMs and suggested the book, Quit Like a Woman. And for me personally, just quick recap, I'm not looking to completely go sober. I don't identify as an alcoholic, but that is definitely my vice that I can lean on more than I would prefer. And I'm just continue to continuing to explore as I record this episode on day 16 of a cleanse. I plan on going through mid-February when it's my birthday. And then again, learning how to consciously drink at a minimal level versus starting to slide into an average eight to 12 drinks a week unconsciously. And we really look at all angles of that in the Your Relationship to Alcohol episode. And Jamie, as I always say, what I love about you, you are obviously you're my bestie. So I obviously I think you're super fun because I can't hang around people who are not super fun. (laughs) But I just love all the knowledge that you bring. And even when there are things that I knew but forgot, you really bring it home about what's important to remember. But you also really support us all living a balanced lifestyle. You like alcohol. You enjoy alcohol. You just have a very clear conscious relationship with alcohol, which is what you talked about in the first episode, how important it is to have a conscious relationship with alcohol. This is not a three-part series to say alcohol is bad and you should never. This is about figuring out how to make it work for you. If you are someone like me who can technically 
tolerate it more because you might have Irish blood like me, or you just know that you lean on it more than you would prefer. And even though it's not destroying your life, you see that your life could be a lot better and healthier and clearer and brighter and more productive and maybe successful in certain areas of your life if you were drinking less. So it's kind of a matter of fact conversation that we want to keep light and warm and fun and informative and do with it what you will. As I said on the last episode, Jamie is not a doctor who is telling you this is what you need to be doing. I am not a doctor. So do not say Claire and Jamie said this. And so therefore it's their fault. This is just an informative, interesting conversation. And you know, where I'm at with the podcast, you guys, here we are. I just said episode 204. I have been deleting older episodes. I just deleted another five of my earlier episodes. I've been doing this podcast for four years now. It is evolving because I am evolving. Yes, it's called Stop Wanting Him Back and Find Someone Better. It is mainly about heartbreak, dating, and relationships, but a huge aspect of having success in finding the one is finding yourself and living as the best version of yourself. And look, I'm three and a half years into my ideal relationship with the love of my life. And that fall in love with you work that I teach in my program and I teach to my one-on-one clients is ongoing. And sometimes when I think I've, I just said this in the, your relationship with alcohol episode, I think, oh, I've healed my thoughts about my body. I've healed my relationship with money. I've healed my heart on past relationships. I've healed and found the love of my life. And you think, so I got that part done. So now we're good to go. And, you know, we all, Jamie's just nodding and smiling. You know, here we are in our early forties. We know all too well, the work is never done. And I think that's, again, a great reminder to start off in this three-part series. I know I'm tearing the arse out at this point, as my dad would say, (laughs) beating it like a dead horse. My Irish dad would say, you're tearing the arse out of it. But a reminder that, you know, the work doesn't stop. There's no there there, as Brooke Castillo always says, and I love that. It's not once I fall in love, then all of the pieces of the puzzle will be complete, which is what I hear a lot of my clients say, or once I've lost X amount of weight, or once I make this amount of money, then all my problems will go away. Then I'll be good. Then I'll be happy. I'm working with a one-on-one client right now, and she too is off the sauce and wanting to do exactly what I'm working on, which is really you know, having a much more conscious relationship when she begins to drink again. And she's like, but God, I'm so bored. (laughs) And so I said to her, I'm like, girl, I get it. No judgment. I'm a human first coach second. But some things that I've been doing are curling into some really good books. I haven't read in a really long time. I'm really cozying up to very inspiring documentaries like Jonah Hill's uh, documentary with his therapist Mm -hmm. called Stutz on, on Netflix and just slowing down. And I'm actually finding it to be really nurturing and nourishing and satisfying. I'm not like lit up, excited. Woohoo. We're going to have three margaritas. It's not that it's different, but it's very fulfilling. And that might not be the solution for her or for someone here listening, but you know, okay, but what can I, what, what can I do to make it not boring? And she was like, well, when I start to see results in my body, then it will be less boring. And I was like, but what about today? How can we make it less boring today? And she literally, her automatic, she cracks me up so much. She was like, 
oh, I don't know. That's a hard one. <laughs> and I burst out laughing, but I'm like, no, you could wake up today truly satisfied with no drinks in your system and no big social plans on your calendar. Like you mm-hmm. could with managing your mind. It's like a really interesting It's a really interesting thing to look at if you do truly want, because we know her why, like you talked about this in the first episode, your relationship to alcohol. The second episode, to be very clear, is about your relationship with alcohol as you navigate heartbreak. And today we're going to look at navigating your relationship with alcohol, looking for the one, not casually dating and going out there and you need to get your needs met. So you have six drinks and go fuck some guy, have at it. But that's just not what this episode is about. And you know, more power to you. Again, neither is right or wrong here, but this podcast is called Stop Wanting Him Back and Find Someone Better. And isn't that just it, Jame? We want to drink because we think it's more fun. We think we'll feel less anxious and it would be so boring and so awkward to go on a date with a stranger off the internet and not have an alcoholic beverage, let alone four. Yeah. I also think another thing at play here is we get really into... We get really stuck in these beliefs and just like this autopilot where we're like dating equals drinking, dating equals going out to a bar and having a drink. And sometimes all we have to do is question a belief and be like, but wait, does it? And that was actually something that the pandemic really helped me to switch because going out to a bar was no longer an option. And yeah, uh, so I'm just going to stop you there. I apologize, but there was a little bit of a break there. So just to make sure that the listeners heard. Mm hmm. Because you couldn't go to a bar during the pandemic. Yeah, it helped to shift this belief that this has to be this autopilot of this is what dating is, going out to a bar, going out to dinner on like a second or third date. And it was like, wait, we could go for a walk. We could sit in a park. We could X, Y, Z. There's all these things. And I was like, yeah, if I never plan on dating again, but if I... Jamie's engaged and she's engaged because she found a man (laughs) using my process. So that's why she said she doesn't have to date again. Yes. Yes. Fantastic. Keep going. I I love this new mindset of you do not have to, dates don't have to just be going to the bar. And I also want to address the whole piece of it feeling awkward and all that stuff uh, to meet a stranger off the internet. So yes, but I think also we get on this autopilot thing and that is another habit or belief to break. Yeah. It's just looking at it, which is why I love this three-part series. We're just looking at it. You guys, to be very clear, I met the love of my life at 38. Here I am at almost 42. Have I drank too much on a date before, including (laughs) dates with Larry? (laughs) Have I said dumb shit that I regret? Have I done dumb shit that I regret? I mean, do I regret it now? No, but you know, we're not sitting here saying, oh, we're on our high horses and we've done it all the right way. But for me personally, there have just been times where it's not like the one that got away. If I only I had drank less and didn't say this one thing, then we would be together. It's just like, I just have higher standards for myself and how I want to show up. To my point of I'm 100% Irish, for me to get sloppy, I have to, you know, I would have to drink like six drinks. And maybe that's nothing to someone listening because (laughs) now I really just don't even, mine is like, if I could do two every night, that would be great. I'm not looking to get shit faced, but you know, it's not even that I have all these memories of getting so sloppy that I can't even like control my mouth. It's, 
I'm not myself. I talk too much. I know you're shocked. I, you know, <laughs> say stupid things. I open up too much or I get um, irritated at him too soon. Like I get mad at him as if like we're dating already on date two, like things like that, yeah. where I'm like, oh yeah, I forgot. He's not my boyfriend. So that was right. highly inappropriate, Claire. <laughs> you know, it's like really just checking yourself and not just because of your image preservation and your standards for yourself. But I mean, I guess this is snowballing into the why, why would Mm -hmm. I consciously drink when I'm on my search for the one? Do you want to connect with this person where he's like not fully himself and sober and you're not fully yourself and sober and you aren't really getting to know the actual other person? Yeah. I also want to say, I think this is an important conversation because the thing I remember and hear from girlfriends all the time is like, oh my gosh, I'm going out on all these dates trying to either get to know this new person or get to know multiple people. And I feel like so burnt out because I'm drinking multiple nights a week and physically I don't like the way what it's doing to me. So I think it's also important to talk about like, what's the plan and what's the intention when you are actively dating to not feel awful. Yeah. Because that came up for a client yesterday. She's doing dry January and she wants to get some dates on the books. And she said, I went out and she said, actually her version of dry January was like, she still had one glass with him, which I'm again, this is about you guys figuring out. Another thing that I want to bring up is know your tolerance, right? Like two glasses for me is very different than two glasses for you. Right. Mm -hmm. So knowing what's my tolerance to the point that like, oh, maybe there's like a little bit of a buzz. I am still fully me. And even like Larry's version of dry January is different than mine. My client, (laughs) she's like, if I go on a date, I'm going to have one. So if she goes on, I mean, the average person, my big thing for my clients is you go on quality dates, not quantity dates. Unless if someone hasn't been on on a date for a really long time, I would say, get out there, get the ball rolling. Let's just connect with people, meet people. Rare occasions do I suggest that. But you couldn't possibly be going on. I would not suggest going on more than four dates a week anyway, if you want to still be in the rest of your life and really also be giving each of those four people energy to really Mm -hmm. like be like, who is this guy, girl, whoever? what do I think of them? Like if you're just then jumping to, and now I got a next date with someone else and then you're doing your job and then your mom is calling and then it's your friend's bachelorette weekend or bridal shower and you want to work out and you want to watch your favorite TV show. And then you're like scrolling on Instagram and it's like, oh, I can't even remember. Right. I don't think you can be that intentional about finding your person. If you're, look, if one week you're like, holy fucking shit, I have five quality dates and I don't, I could, a Claire the Heartbreak coach says only four, like go on the five. But I mean, it would be crazy to be going on five dates a week with five different people every week that you are like, I would not believe you if you're telling me those are all quality dates. But my point being, while I'm tearing the arse out of the number of dates, one drink at each of those four dates, You said this to me when I was on a cleanse in LA and I was dating and I was that person that I was like, Jame, I don't want to go on a date sober. And I said this in one of the recent episodes (laughs) and you said, are you going to give up your why behind going on this cleanse 
for some guy you don't know who may not end up being your person, you're going to break that for some stranger just so you feel less nervous or more comfortable or loosey goosey. And I was like, damn, if you're willing to compromise a commitment to yourself on a first date with a stranger, what are you going to be compromising even more seriously down the line in that relationship? What are you giving up? What are now? I believe there should be compromise in a relationship. Of course, healthy equals, you know, coming together and, and, making compromises, but are, what are you giving up of yourself, of your commitment to yourself to appease somebody else? And I think it's a dangerous precedent to set. And something else we talked about in one of these other episodes about you can never say the wrong thing to the right person. I also think you can never do the wrong thing with the right person and your person, your ultimate ideal person, you do not need to be drunk or even lubricated with alcohol for that date to go well. Right. So like, that's a strong belief of mine. Yeah. Now I've also heard, I'm I'm thinking of someone who I know got so shit faced, banged her now husband and they've got kids and yes, that happens. But you're listening. I always say that when people want to argue and give me the exception to the rule, I can't, it, it, this is just a general conversation. So calm your tits as a friend of mine. Yeah, would and say I'm, to I'm my not saying, I'm not saying, Oh, this is a rule. This is set in stone. Do not get drunk on a first date. Do not sleep with him on a first date. No, there are no rules. There's always going to be an exception. My point is if you're going out and dating and you're dating like four nights in a week or multiple nights, several weeks in a row, and you have a commitment to be drinking less in your life, then it's okay to go on a date and not drink or only keep yourself to one or for one of the dates you schedule a walk in the park or whatever it might be. They, you don't have to, if you feel like this is not going to work or I cannot do this unless there's some alcohol in my system, that's the belief I would challenge because it's important for your health and well being to challenge that belief. Oh, so freaking good. There were like so many thoughts that I was having and I was not <laughs> writing at the same time because I'm holding my mic with the left hand, which is what I write with. I love all of that. And so what I want to add to that is, and play with it, be flexible. Let's say, like, let's say you have four quality dates lined up. And if you're like, oh my God, I don't know if it's quality because I don't know them because I haven't met them yet. It's like, I knew Larry was quality before I met him. You can figure out if it's a quality Mm -hmm. date or you can allow yourself to think this person is quality. And if they prove you wrong in person, who cares? This is Mm -hmm. what the name of the dating game is. But four quality dates means... It, the profile seemed really awesome, even though Larry's was blank. It's fine. <laughs> I talk about that on a separate episode. And, you know, the engagement between the two, which for Larry and I was like total, like off the charts, such a man. I know Michael did this with you, made it very clear. I would like to meet you in person and not in an aggressive way after two exchanges, great little chat. And hey, when can we meet in person? And then the continued effort leading up to, and then him like giving me all these different options of places that I could go write my articles in Santa Barbara before we met that night, like such lovely, gentlemanly, personable, fun, flirty effort that wasn't too much. I mean, he really nailed it with Goldie blocks, like not too hot, not too cold. If you've got four of those lined up, 
God fucking bless you. And also yeah. send me a DM, follow me at Claire, the heartbreak coach and tell me how you're doing that. Cause I've never met anyone who has ever told me that that's happened with them. Yeah. But I think it's possible. You know, if you've got those four dates lined up and it's like, ah, because I had a couple of drinks with Larry, a couple, I think I probably had, I think I broke that rule. So again, we're just having this conversation of what works, what doesn't work. I def, I think I probably, as I think about it four, and it was like a very long night, but I didn't feel out of control. But what I will also say is with Larry, I broke a lot of rules for the first date because he lived 80 miles away. So I had dinner with him instead of just Mm -hmm. drinks. And I ended up staying a lot longer than I would have in my LA environment. And someone like gave me a terrible review and was just like, she doesn't even practice what she preaches. She's a hypocrite. And I was like, I totally see how someone I think I did an episode on. I was like, I totally see how people could think I'm being a hypocrite, but that wasn't what I did all of the time. Yeah. And also you clarified that you'd gotten into a really healthy mental state. Like this was not something you were doing like as an impulse. You had done all that five months of like falling in love with you, being really grounded in who you were and what you wanted. And so it's like you were healthy enough to break the rules. And I also remembered that I would, I knew I would like him more if I spent more time with him right off the bat, because I just knew I liked him. I'm not someone that just likes everybody more if I spend time. But Larry, I was just like, I'm fucking attracted to this man. I want to know more. I came up to Santa Barbara. I felt like I was on The Bachelor. Like it just was this (laughs) like romantic setting. He did all the things right. He was so great and I went with it and, but I didn't do that with every single person who I was dating. Right. It's like, this is an extreme circumstance just given the distance. And also it had been a while. Also I had been, it had been a while because I was dating myself to thank you for reminding us all of that fact. And I said to myself, and if I never see him again, I'm going to be okay with the choices that I made. Whereas how many times did I drink too much? And I was like, oh my God, I drank so fucking much. Like, that's not how I want to be. You know, it was like the, the time we spent when we first met was so amazing that there was nothing I was going to say I would have done differently, including those drinks. However, it's a general rule. And I always say this about sex. If you, to your point, if you want to have sex on the first date, sex is neutral. Everyone has opinions about sex. I don't want to give it up too soon. I don't want to, that's all up to you. I have had different viewpoints about sex at different stages of my life. You have to figure out what sex means to you and what sex would mean to you with that particular person versus someone else. Cause I just don't think it's all the same. However, if you are someone, and I had a client who always fucked the guy she liked on the first date. It happened while we were working together three or four times. And then I, as your coach, am picking up the pieces because you slept with him and you never heard from him again. And then you're beating yourself up that you slept with him Mm -hmm. too soon. My coaching would be stop sleeping with people on the first date. Because it's to the individual, right? So I come on this podcast every single week. You join me frequently. Thank you for gracing us with your presence. You guys have to figure out what's right for you. I had my dear friend, guest instructor and client. She's a woman of many hats in my life, Katie Johnston. She is in my program, guest instructor, as I just said, and found the love of her life. They locked down the relationship within like 
three or four weeks. And I always say that is way too soon, but Mm -hmm. I'm not going to digress too, too much here. She came to me and she was like, these are all the things he has asked me to be exclusive. It feels right to me. The only thing I'm scared about is you telling me I'm doing it wrong. And I burst out laughing. I'm like, you are so grounded Mm -hmm. for what it's worth. I do feel like I'm a little psychic and intuitive. I'm like, he sounds lovely. It may not work out. We don't know. But if you guys want to be exclusive to explore and learn about each other more and that feels right for you, I'm not your fucking mom. I'm your coach. But if it's coming from this squirrely, oh my God, he asked me to be exclusive. And like, I need us to be exclusive because I already know I like him. And if I don't tell him that, you know, I won't be exclusive (laughs) with him, then what if he goes and he finds somebody else? Like if it's all squirrely, then I would tell her, you need to slow this down. Like you're not grounded enough. So we're making these suggestions and then you have to evaluate the individual circumstance. I think what it comes down to is if you have a pattern of getting shit faced on dates or just drinking one too many and it's not working out and you're like, I can't even like, it was sort of fuzzy, the conversation and Mm. he was drinking a lot. So I don't know, like, did he say that because he was like drunk, but he didn't mean to. And it's just all fuzzy. And like, that's your general, I'm not sure what I said, what he said, or what we really meant by that, or maybe we shouldn't have because of the alcohol, then yeah, I would evaluate, reevaluate your relationship with alcohol as you search for the one, because that's just such a bummer for it to be a disruptor in your search. And I also get it. It's also, it's not just about nerves. You could, someone could argue and say, well, I'm comfortable in my own skin, Claire. And I know how to carry conversation. It's not that I need alcohol. It's just more fun. And I would agree. Yeah. (laughs) Sure. I like it. But this is about, this is about a conscious commitment to improving a relationship with alcohol, which is why we're talking about when, and this is why I think, you know, go back and listen to the first episode in this series, because we talk a lot about getting to know your personal relationship with it, becoming conscious, getting grounded so that when life stuff comes up like dating or heartbreak or, or whatever, the, the busyness of life, all the events, you are so grounded in what your intention around alcohol that you're ready with a plan. And that's why I think going into dating, it's really important to know um, your your intention and your plan. And then it there's going to be so much less drama around the whole thing. And I think something we can talk about is like all the reasons people want to be drinking. Like you talked about, it's look, if you can only have fun with alcohol, that's a much bigger thing because even in your relationship, you're going to be like, it's only fun when we're drinking. It's only fun when we're drinking. And then this is a conversation you need to have with yourself in general about alcohol. But even with dating, because there were some things I did. I used to believe the same thing. I used to be like, I cannot go on this date. It's too awkward and it's not fun unless I'm drinking. And I really shifted my mindset on that. And I can talk about like a few ways I did that. One came from you and one was just like a reframe I did. So like, well, this is when I got really serious about intentionally dating and I followed your process because I used to look at dating as a real chore and like, oh, this is going to suck. I don't want to meet this person. This is so awkward. I don't want to go out on all these dates. I'm giving up my free time. And it was really important for me to do the reframe that you teach of like, you that mindset 
sucks. Like you need to be excited about this. No matter how many quote unquote bad dates you need to go on, this is the process of finding the one, the right person. So you need to look at this as not a burden, not shitty. Like, and that's what I did. I was like, you know what? I'm going into this. I'm having fun with it. This is ultimately getting me to my person. I shifted into the belief that you always say, the belief that he's out there and you will find them and it doesn't matter what it takes to get there. So I went into dating with way more like of a uplifted, positive story about what I was doing. So that helped me not feel like you're good. And that really helped me not feel like I've got to be drinking my face off on all these drinks. And then the second thing I did was the story before was like, oh, this is so awkward. I'm meeting a stranger. Like, this is so awkward. This is so awkward. Okay, how do I get out of... And like we talked about last week, we hate uncomfortable feelings as humans. So it's like, how do I get out of this awkwardness? Okay, I'll drink. And then I won't feel the awkwardness. And then I just kind of shifted it to like, yeah, this is fucking awkward. It's a little awkward to find somebody on your phone, start talking to them, meet them in a bar, a park, wherever it is, and then start like having to have a conversation. But it's like, so what if it's awkward? That's part of life. Life can be awkward. Lean in to the awkwardness. It's funny. If it doesn't go well, at the very worst, it's a funny story for your girlfriends. It's like a funny thing to write about or share about. And it's not the end of the world to go on an awkward date. And there's no reason to compromise my physical body by like drinking a bottle of wine to feel less awkward when it actually doesn't matter that it's a little bit awkward. It's totally okay. Okay. I a hundred percent agree. And also there's going to be someone out there being like, but to do that, like I've been doing this for years. I've been going on awkward dates and boring dates and like dates where I really like him and he doesn't like me. And, you know, <laughs> it's just like really nice to have a cocktail or a couple of cocktails and just like get through it. Oof. That's a terrible attitude, girl. Look, here's the thing. The drink. <laughs> I'm not- laughing. I hope everyone hears. I am laughing, but like it was, I have thought those yeah. things. Of course. And the drinking is not the problem in that whole equation. And it's not the solution either. The reason you've gone on years and years of bad dates and uncomfortable dates, it's not going to be solved by drinking. There's a whole mindset shift that needs to happen, which is why you need to do Claire's program. Ah, uh, but wait a second. Let's slow that down, Jane. Drinking is not the problem. Or the solution. Yeah, we put way too much importance on this thing that's not actually the thing. So well said. And it really goes back to our second episode in this series, alcohol on heartbreak or your heartbreak on alcohol. What it is, is yes, we are asking you to feel awkward emotions or irritated emotions. Oh, I've totally been there. Or like, it's it's not awkward because like, oh, awkward. We just met off the internet. Awkward because I can tell you're really into me and I'm not into you. And yeah, I know I'm I've never been on any of those. See you again. And sometimes I said, sure, I'll, ha- oh yeah, I'll have a second drink. I, I do have to go after the second drink, but yeah, I could definitely do another one because I feel bad that I can tell he's enjoying it. And trust me, you guys, I've been rejected too. I'm not like full of myself here thinking, oh, everyone of course would like me, <laughs> but <laughs> Like I've done that too. And if, if you're, if you guys are relating to the boredom, the guilt, the irritation, the awkwardness, and you know, 
you find yourselves like I have here in my notes. Okay. So what if you do still drink too much or you drink more after, you know, listening to this episode and cultivating more awareness? It's like, if it happens, just like, again, check yourself. And I always say this with my clients, well, what would you do differently next time? Because, you know, the guilt is really hard. That was a hard one for me more than the awkwardness or the boredom because I was very committed, but I hated when a really nice, high quality dude liked me and I just was not feeling it back. And, you know, you just have to make peace with, okay, I I recognize I had one extra drink than I would prefer. And if you are, and this is just, I'm throwing it out there because I'm working on and navigating and trying to figure out when I transition back to a conscious drinking relationship after this cleanse, you know, whether it's four drinks a week or six drinks a week or four to six, depending on what events are going on in my life. Uh, all right. Well, I just had two drinks with a guy that I felt really guilty about not liking back. And I've got the two other dates lined up. Even if they're going great, you only get to have one with that guy and one with the other one. Like, and it's not a punishment. It's just, Sometimes I gave into my uncomfortable feelings that drove an action to drink more and hello, still happens to the best of us. I could even say that post finding Larry transitioning into Santa Barbara, social events with him, being the girlfriend, being at the kid's school for a graduation and feeling like the kid's discomfort Mm -hmm. of me. I mean, the guilt never dies (laughs) for Mary Claire Byrne. And so some kind of an event. Oh, you bet your ass. I'm like, where is the alcohol? Mm-hmm. I notice that when I'm in my regular. So again, I can't stress enough. I'm not saying any of this to preach. I'm saying it to like suggest and remind myself that yeah. it's, I love the way you just said that drinking is not the problem and drinking is not the solution. And, you know, those are all factors, because I think I said in an earlier episode, I want to drink with Larry when we're having fun. I want to drink when we're stressed. And I always want to drink when the kids are around, even if we're having fun (laughs) or they're like having an, having a moment. And to be clear again, because I want to just, yes, I do. I want to defend myself. I'm not getting sloppy or shit faced, but it's just like, you know, and I grew up in a household where there was just drinks around and my parents were very social and my aunts, my uncles, my parents, friends. It's just, it was like always ingrained in me that it's like part of the scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And one thing I wanted to say too, about like where you mentioned like messing up and I'm putting that in quotes, it's actually my favorite thing that, that we do as humans. Like when you set an intention to do something and then you don't, and you do the opposite, this was my, this is my favorite when I'm coaching someone, like even on nutrition and it'll be like, okay, the next week we're checking in. It's like, okay, did you like, did you hit those goals? Did you do, did you keep that commitment to yourself? And they'll be like, no. And I'm like, awesome. I think all the gold and all the juice of personal growth is in the why you didn't do it. So I think it's absolutely amazing to be like, well, tell me why you didn't, why did you have that one extra drink on the awkward date? Was it to take care of his feelings over your own? Because that's a really important self-awareness that you're more focused on making other people comfortable than you are taking care of yourself. Or like, what is the reason, right? You just couldn't bear 
with uh, the, the boredom you were feeling. You couldn't feel those feelings and always understanding why you did something or couldn't do something is so juicy. And so there's never anything wrong with, once again, quote unquote, messing up because there's always something to learn from it. And so like we've been saying all along, this is a process. This is about growth and doing things differently and better as you learn from you know, the things that you did that you were not as proud of, but there's no reason to feel shame. It's all about how can I grow and do better the next time? So absolutely nothing to beat yourself up about. Always something to learn from. Whether you work with Jamie, me, or some, or no, definitely for sure. If you work with Jamie or you work with me, I mean, I always say, yes, I'm a tough love coach. And sometimes I'm like, let's say I'm coaching you, Jamie, what are you doing? Right? Like, <laughs> but it's so important for my clients to feel safe. And I feel like I'm pretty good. Sometimes I'm not perfect at with my delivery, but if you have a coach that's going to shame you and tell you yeah. that you're in trouble, I, I would walk the other way. But if you have a coach that's also like, oh, no worries. Let's just try again next time. I would also mm-hmm. walk away, right? You want yeah. to have that coach that's going to walk that fine line of let's discuss why. I, I totally agree with you. There's so much knowledge in that. I want to go here, even though I don't know if it's necessarily directly related to alcohol and dating, but I think it's important, um, which is... But what if you've got someone like me who's like, yeah, no, but Jamie, you know this. I've been doing dry January for however many years. And then I do the couple of drinks. I start segueing in four drinks a week, starting with my birthday. And then things pick up. Then we travel. Then there's family coming into town. Then it's birthdays and it's celebrations. And then it it happens every single time. I'm not Mm -hmm. saying, so shouldn't I then be in trouble? That's not the question. (laughs) We're so Catholic. We're like, please find a way to punish me, please. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) But I do think like, I did just say this to a client. I said, we just re-upped for another six months. You guys, I am doing one-on-one. I'm just opening up one-on-one. I have big thoughts about the importance of one-on-one and big revelations. So it's not just my group. I'm also doing one-on-one as well. I think the group is absolutely amazing too. So it's not that one is better. It's just, which is the right fit for you. And I reacted with this client and I, I said to her, I am going to be tougher on you this time. And she said, good, because what's the point Mm -hmm. of re-upping if we're not going to up the ante. And what happened with her is that we were focusing on healing her heartbreak so much. And she was drinking very regularly and socializing very regularly and then just navigating through a relation, a new separate relationship that was also not really working. So a year of our coaching has been taking care of those two relationships. And in the midst of it, there was a lot of social drinking and all the things. And then sometimes she was going to be doing a cleanse and sometimes she wasn't, or sometimes she was going to be doing more conscious drinking and only drinking four, but then it turned into more, again, not judging. This is me. And now she's past those. She's healed her heart. She's very clear on the second relationship she got into. And now I'm like, we're not fucking around with your drinking. And she's like, I'm so excited, right? It's like, Mm -hmm. I just think what it comes down to is I really personally feel, and I'm nervous to say it because it's like, oh, I think, I think I remember saying to you, I think Larry's the one. But I think we said that about the last guy, right? 
The guy I was with before, mm-hmm. we went to a yoga yeah. class, and I was like, I think I might have met my husband, no big. Yeah. So yeah. I had said that before. I thought Rock Bottom X was the one. And then, of yeah. course, with Larry, I was like, no, he's really the one, but I'm scared <laughs> to say it. And that's how I feel with my drinking journey as we speak right now. It's just a different feeling. It's a different commitment. I think I alluded to this um, in or said this in one of the last episodes. I think um, the reality of the age I am, I love getting older and embracing. I mean, yes, I do Botox. Like I like to take care of myself and I want to look good and feel good, but I'm not like, oh, I'm some old lady at almost 42. I'm like fucking embracing it Mm because my life does keep getting better and better as I get older because of this work. But yeah, I just wanted to offer that because if I do yeah. think it's appropriate to say it because someone could be listening and saying, I've been saying, I want to be more conscious on my drinking journey while I date and look for the one for years. Yeah. And I just, I hear what you guys are saying. And I've thought those things too, but I don't really trust that I'm going to do it again. And I think, yeah. again, this is a repetitive loop. It comes back to no really why. And I think yeah, like the why just has to be so fucking compelling. Yeah. And here's the other thing too. There's, there's two things I want to say. And because I know you swell and I've seen your journey for so long, the first thing I would do is say, okay, before we go into like, like kick your ass mode and really go there. First off, I want you to honor how far you've come because the awareness is huge. Even any awareness, even if you don't change a single behavior is, is huge. Uh, it's like in yoga where they say just showing up is the practice, right? Um, so the awareness is huge. And then also you have made tremendous progress. You have cut down, you have become way more conscious. And I know it's annoying that you have you to you. It feels annoying that you haven't like completely quote unquote solved it. And you're not exactly where you want to be, but the please just like at first honor for everyone out there, honor any progress or awareness that has happened. The second thing is when you have made a commitment to change something and time after time after time, you're falling short on your vision for that commitment. Yeah. There's something deeper going on that we really need to explore whether I would highly recommend hiring, hiring a coach. And if it's involved with dating and relationships and this whole journey, like this is where working with you with Claire one-on-one is phenomenal because you have that accountability of somebody who's making you go there. Um, I've studied a lot in like trauma, um, therapy, trauma philosophy, and there's usually something very, very deep seated that lives in your nervous system that is at play. Even things you're not conscious of that are really driving the boat and, uh, perpetuating these habits and these things that you keep saying you want to break free of. So when you're not, you keep saying it, but you're not. Exactly. And when you see yourself over and over and over making this commitment, it's really when you get so sick of yourself and you're so ready to change that you'll do whatever it takes to, uh, to change it. And that's when you're willing, like Claire and I have both talked about the money that we've spent on coaching, on therapy, on all these personal growth practices. And there really is no money you will not spend when you're so freaking ready to be done with something. So, or when you're so ready to have this vision of your life that you're ready for. And there's no way you're not going to drink less when you really think about the type of relationship that you want to create. And is that maybe for some of you, I mean, I sometimes I I feel like I, I, I was about to just say, Oh, when I'm on vacation, I love to people watch. It's not just vacation. It's everywhere. (laughs) Yeah, seriously. (laughs) (laughs) But sometimes I observe couples 
And they're just throwing them back. But definitely I did notice when we were in Hawaii, there was just like a family and it was just the drinks just kept coming. And I fully admit I was watching in judgment. Meanwhile, I was having three a day and judging myself. So you're drinking while watching. I was like, God, they're such luscious. Yes. And then I was like, can I have another margarita? Um, but there also are people who are compatible drinkers. So, you know, but I, I think I'm going to go out on a limb. The people who are listening to this episode, let alone this podcast, my guess is you are wanting more, wanting a deeper connection, right? Wanting, and, and I don't think that it's possible to have a truly deep soul level connection. And I say that, and your partner, your fiance is a regular drinker. My I was about to say my fiance. No, Laird's dragging his feet a little bit. I'm only laughing because you joke about it, not because it's, you know, I'm not laughing at you. I'm laughing with Poor you. Poor Larry. When, when Jamie got engaged, by the way, she is dating. She was dating Michael for a year less than Larry and I. And I was like, Jamie got engaged. And I looked at him and I clapped my hands and I was like, chop, chop. And he just literally <laughs> bursts out laughing. He just is on his California timeline. It's great. And then he was like, anyway, they were dating for a long, a lot longer than us. And I was like, they're dating for a year. (laughs) And yes, I laugh about it with him and with Jamie because he's my person. We're together. I I do. You know what? I think when he does propose, he better. Uh, I'll do a whole (laughs) podcast on patiently waiting when you know it's your person. Like when it happens is it's just, yeah, I will say, I think, you know, it's, I think if someone is drinking significantly more than you are, how, or whether they're like on some drug, like I pot just does not resonate with me. Is that the right word to say? Yeah. I just, I I've tried smoking weed several times in my life because I'm like, I would love for this be as relaxing as everybody else because you know there's medicinal purposes and I've had a lot of anxiety and I'm like if I could you know find some kind of dosage that would help with my anxiety nope it always makes me feel so out of it so weird so tripped up so if Larry was like stoned all the time and it's just something that doesn't sit well with me and my system I think that would be really hard to get past yeah well I think it's this is something else I wanted to talk about too, because I think, let's say you are on a journey to um, have a more intentional relationship with alcohol and on that you know, uh, point, drink less overall. It is really important when you start dating someone to communicate that. And, and if you're feeling the need like, oh, I need to be having a lot of drinks on this date and then you're communicating to this person, oh, this is a drinker. Cool. It seems like we're on the same page. It's also really important to be honest about that. And I, I don't really drink much anymore. If I have one or two a week, that's on the higher side for me. God um, bless you. I know. Uh, but it's just, it's not one of my big journeys anymore. But when I started dating Michael, I was like, yeah, look, we're, we're dating and we're having this like picnic in the park. I'm going to have a few drinks, but I communicated with him. Like I'm really obsessed with health and like, I don't eat gluten and I don't eat this. And I don't really drink that much. Now, if that had been a problem for him, he needed to know that 
then, right? And even though he is much more of a drinker than I am, he's like, that's cool. As long as you're like social and fun and uh, a happy, positive person, I don't care if that is a result of alcohol or not. And like, he'll sometimes joke of like, do I ever get to see you drunk? And, you know, it's like joking, but truly we drink completely different amounts and it works for us, but it was really important because some people do love their drinking and they love to do that with their partner, with other people. And, uh, you know, and I think this is another reason people drink a lot when they're dating is because the person or the people they're dating might be like, why aren't you drinking? Like, that's so weird. And then they feel like they need to keep up or match them or that like, it means something if they're not drinking. So, you know, it is really important that you're, you're matching. You can't just think about the one date, right? You can't think about what does this one night mean? Or these two nights mean you have to think about the long term. What does this relationship look like? And if you don't plan on drinking three, four nights a week in your relationship, you really, that should start with the first and second date. So, or you are planning on drinking. Like if I, yeah, you know, I just noticed I said, if I, when I master this four to six drinks a week, that could be four nights a week. Right. And is that compatible with your ideal partner? Like who are you on day one? Yeah. Yeah. That's why it's also, I mean, Larry didn't tell me he had four kids till date one. I've shared this on the (laughs) podcast before and I was like, check please. Um, (laughs) But I really think it's important for people to be telling you who you are as soon as possible on dates. I know sometimes it takes a couple of, it could take a couple of dates to reveal who you are, but um, all the details, but let's not fuck around and let's not pretend we're someone who we're not or act. I think that's great what you just shared. Yeah. It's really important for me or like when I was dating, it was really important. Well, no. Yeah. When I was thinking about who my person was, it's like, what is a deal breaker for me is that they respect my lifestyle choices because my health practices are so important to me. And I had been with people in the past who kind of dismissed it or poo-pooed it or would challenge it. And it's like, I know I need to be with somebody who respects my choices. So they could drink completely different amounts than me and eat differently than me. I mean, everyone eats differently than me, so that's a given. But <laughs> but you know, as long as they respected my choices and that my not drinking didn't like upset them or like challenge their sense of self, which is, I just think an insecurity thing that we, with people deal with in interpersonal relationships, as long as they could respect my choices, we were good. And I wanted to really communicate that up front so that they didn't like, you know, three months in weren't like, Oh my God, you're not fun anymore. You stopped drinking. I, like on our first couple of dates, you were so fun. And we like went out and had all these drinks and like what happened. Right. And that's to your point, we have to be as authentic as possible as early as possible, you know? Yeah. And, and it- so let's say you have more than what you preferred. It got a little sloppy or a little blurry. He asks you out again, just be conscious and drink less next time so that you can yeah. also remember, well, what is it that I want to know about this guy? Mm-hmm. And, you know, maybe even say beforehand, because then you don't know, is this his norm, right? And mm-hmm. I'm speaking in heteronormative terms here, apply whatever gender pronoun works for you you know, asking or, or, or putting it out there. Like, I, I think I did this actually. I couldn't remember with who, and maybe I did it a couple of times of, you know, that was definitely more than what I normally drink. So mm-hmm. I just, I'll just a heads up would love to go out again, but I definitely won't be going that hard to kind of yeah. also say, 
It, it, it does subtly say, and I'd appreciate you, us not doing that again so that we could get to know mm-hmm. each other. But don't Absolutely. say, could you drink less too so we could get to know each other? Don't spell it out weirdly, but just kind of, yeah. I would subtly slide that in and give a heads up. Like, that's just not my norm. It was a great time, yeah. but would love, or even to say, would love to see you again and drink less and get to know you better with a wink yeah. or something like that, you know? And just, it doesn't have to be, oh, I fucked it up. Or, you know, or let's say you drink so much. This happened with a client of mine. She said, oh, my God, I just needed to get my needs met. And I had the liquid courage. And I went right up to this cute guy. And I was just like, you, hello. And he was like, hello. And they ended up going home and hooking up. And he was like, well, like, she was like, I don't know. Some, they exchanged numbers. And, she, and then she came to the group call. And she was like, I'm just, I don't know if he's available. And I was like. Neither do I. So (laughs) you have his number. Why don't you say, hey, that was fun. And I don't know if you're looking for anything, but if you'd like to get a drink sometime, I'd love to get a drink. And so she reached out and Mm -hmm. he said he would like to, but then he never followed through. Drunken hookups don't mean that he couldn't be your person. But then it's like, if that happens, let's just recalibrate to figure out who is that person. And then again, know your tolerance, know what works for you. Great point. Let that person know if you are drinking more than you normally do. This isn't normally how I am. I'm having fun, but I feel like we're in the dating phase. That was definitely Larry and I. And I felt like too, we were seeing each other every two weeks. And so Mm -hmm. I was in LA being all healthy and basic LA bitch going to Equinox and like not drinking in all my macros and feeling great. Mm -hmm. Then I would just like have my fun with him at the weekend, but also I never felt like I didn't know what I was saying or doing. Yeah. And if you start dating someone a little bit more seriously, so it's like, okay, you're seeing them two or three nights a week and it's like this frequency and there's that pressure in early dating to drink a lot. Because I know one of the big questions we always have entering a relationship is like, can I have fun with this person? Are we compatible? Do we enjoy doing the same things together? So it's like of those few dates a week or multiple dates in the course of a month, make sure though, that some of them are sober or mostly sober because you need to know that you can have fun without alcohol. Otherwise at some point your life is either going to be super boring or you're going to become an alcoholic because if you can only have fun with this person, if you're drunk or, or drinking heavily, then that also will indicate maybe not the most successful relationship. Yes. And again, piggybacking off of the alcohol, you know, drinking, alcohol on heartbreak episode last week's episode where it's all about making sure that you're not relying on numbing the pain yes or discomfort awkwardness yeah and if you can get through heartbreak i hope that you can without numbing the pain too too much i get it here and there to your point when you're in the acute phase if you need a drink and in the acute phase it's not going to kill you but You know, those are some suggestions and actions you can take, but then really putting pen to paper and doing the inner work. And I really do encourage you all to get to a place of, I'm willing to feel awkwardness on my search for love. I'm willing to feel boredom. I'm willing to feel impatience. I'm willing to feel irritation. I'm willing to feel discouragement. I'm willing to feel exhaustion. You know, I'm willing to feel all of the feelings on my search for love. You know, I've talked about this through and through. Larry came into my life when I unapologetically realized that finding love and sharing my life with the man of my dreams was the most important thing. 
I grew up where my mom, she was a housewife. And so she would always say to me, the only girl in the baby, it's so important to have a career, get your career. Like that just wasn't an option for her mm-hmm. when she grew up in the forties and fifties in Ireland. I mean, it was like become a secretary, a nurse yeah. or a nun. And she met my dad and you know, those were just, those three things were like, no, thank you for her. And I love that my mom was, you know, a feminist <laughs> for me, but I can be a feminist and have a business I'm super passionate about and want love more than anything else. If I'm really being honest with myself now, I totally recognize mm. that I always wanted the true Hollywood romance story of the, the fire, the passion, yeah. the weak in the knees feeling, the intellectual, uh, com- the intellectual compatibility and just the affection and the craziness about each other and the words of affirmation and the commitment and the honesty and the trust and both of us having the desire for the honeymoon phase to never end. And I would totally be willing to feel irritation, anxiety, boredom for all of, for, for all that, all of that. Yes. All that beauty. Then that's what I love. And I think that's a real gold nugget to take away from this is this is the mantra, everyone. Like I am willing to feel X, Y, Z in order to get that vision. And there's something I'd love to say before we wrap up, because we're wrapping up in a minute here. But you know, this has been a fun conversation. I think dating and all this is fun and mostly light. Um, but I do want to just bring this back to the why we're even talking about this at all. And please go back to the first episode. And the reason is, is because <laughs> alcohol is something you need to consider in the picture of your health. This is a women's health issue. And we, I am a woman who is so passionate about women's health. Um, and the reason that this is a serious conversation is because I would love for everyone to really think about how that fits into their lives. Um, it is a toxin. It does have negative impacts on your physical body. And I want so much more for everyone. So um, please just remember that there is a seriousness to why we're even navigating this whole conversation. It's a seriousness that doesn't mean you're bad for enjoying it or wanting on it or wanting it or leaning on it. It's just, it's important to look at and it is possible for balance and a conscious relationship. It's important that we're honest with ourselves, whether we're doing it or not. Just the honesty of, of what it is, is important. Being real with it. Yeah. Just like being real when you're in a fucked up relationship with a narcissistic abuser, right? It's like, you don't want to, because letting it go, walking away, admitting the truth, that's really fucking painful, but there's so much gold and and such a reward on the other side. Miss Jamie McEwen, we can follow Jamie at Jamie's guide on Instagram. You can reach out to her. She's so generous with her questions, but you hire her. You guys don't slide into our DMs for free coaching. It's, it's, I, I would never slide into like a lawyer's or a doctor's DMs for free coach for free advice. So, um, hire her and hire me. <laughs> Definitely hire her. <laughs> Go to clairetheheartbreakcoach.com to apply for my group or my one-on-one. And I hope you guys got so much out of this, Jane. Thanks so much. So much Thank love, you. my loves. Until next time. Bye. My love, are you ready to stop wanting him back and find someone better? Then head on over to clairetheheartbreakcoach.com and sign up for my one-year group coaching program. I can't wait to put a stop to your broken heart and get a start on your happily ever after.